Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast, and we're back, everybody. We're back with a new episode of our Scares and Dares, and that's right. My name is Hakun Wong. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time, and with me, as always, for our Scares and Dares is my co-host, Joanne Kong. Hey, Joanne. How's it doing? Hey, everyone. It's been a while, and like I said, we're back, and so uh, it's been a while because... We've been waiting for the NFL to sort itself out and get us ready for the new season, get itself ready for the new season. As you know, throughout the season, we were giving you our best prop bet picks each week, each and every week. And, of course, right after the Super Bowl, there's not much we can, <laughs> not much we can talk about because there's just not a lot of information. And everything that happened from that day to today, including off-season free agency, the draft, and all the various things that happened going into OTAs, has completely changed the landscape on almost every team in the NFL. So it's going to be really interesting. And today, we're going to talk about two things. Our scare of the week, which we're going to get to in a moment, and our dare, uh, which is the bet that we dare to make. And this week, it will be the winner of the AFC West and NFC West divisions in the upcoming 2022 NFL season. Are you excited about this, Joanne? I am very excited. Yes, that was very convincing. Thank you for that. Uh, Without further ado, let's get this rolling, shall we? All right, let's get started with our Scare of the Week. And the Scare of the Week is a 2014 horror comedy from New Zealand, Housebound. Now, the Housebound moves along at an hour and 49 minutes. You can find it on Tubi for free. So go ahead and check that out. That's fun. With commercials. With commercials, of course. So enjoy those. But, I do, you know, I have to say this. I do like the fact that Tubi counts down to commercials for you so you don't have those abrupt cutoffs. That you do like on Hulu and on uh, on Freebie, where they just like mid sentence cut you off and throw a commercial at you. I agree, and it's not too long. Yeah, they tend to keep them relatively short. But that being said, free on Tubi, 2014 horror comedy from New Zealand, Housebound. It's directed and written by Gerard Johnson. It was actually his first ever directed movie, and it stars Morgan O'Reilly as Kylie Bucknell. Rima Tewata as Miriam Bucknell, Glenn Paul Waru as Amos, and Cameron Rhodes as Dennis. And, you know, this is an interesting one because obviously it's not a true horror movie. It's actually a horror comedy, as I said, and we may disagree on whether it's more horror or more comedy. But let me give everybody a little bit of background as to what happens in this movie. So in this movie, Kylie Bucknell is a young woman who attempts to steal the safe from an ATM but through a ridiculous mishap with her partner, the police capture her, and she's sentenced to house arrest for eight months under the care of her mother, Miriam, and her stepdad, Graham, both of which Kylie does not like. And they make it very clear that she does not like them uh, throughout the beginning of the movie. Now, a security contractor, Amos, uh, puts the anklet monitor on her for her house arrest, and it notes that it will alert the police if she ever leaves the premises of her mother's house. Now, one night, Kylie hears her mother, Miriam, call into a local radio show and claim the house is haunted. And she goes off on her, telling her that there is no such thing as ghosts. But then, while in the basement, someone or something, perhaps, 
grabs Kylie's shoulder and she freaked out, accidentally running into Amos on the way up, who came by because he saw there was an alert on Kylie's anklet. Amos turns out also to be, fortunately, an amateur paranormal hunter and goes on about trying to help her. But Kylie's clinical psychologist thinks that Miriam's illusions are starting to rub off on Kylie. And we're left to wonder, is there really an intruder in the house? Is it ghosts? Or is Kylie just bat leap crazy? <laughs> I guess All right, Jan. With that little bit, and I'm not going to spoil anything because there's plenty of twists and turns in this movie. Uh, what are your thoughts on Housebound? You know, when we first decided to watch it, I, we picked it because of the rating, yep. first of all. Yep. Um, it's got a really good uh, uh, Rotten Tomato score. Yep, that's true. Um, from both the critics and the viewers. That's right. Uh, so we just went on that. Didn't know anything about it. Uh, we did read the synopsis, but, yep. you know, that really doesn't tell you all that much. Plus it's free, so that's yes, good. And it was free. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, it is definitely more on the kind of um, hot fuzz type of movie. Okay. Although it's not British, but, yep. like, more of a more that way than it is a true horror movie. Right. So they try to put a little few, like, you know, screams and like, you know, sh- you know, shocking jump scares out there, but not that many. Uh, it's more comedy, I would say. Right. So you're comparing that to Shaun of the Dead uh, by Simon Pegg. Yeah. Because it's more like a horror, um, I mean, it's like a, there's some horror aspects to Shaun yeah. of the Dead, right? It is a zombie film at heart, but it is also this comedy overtone with a little bit of a British humor spin to this. And then you get a little bit of that British humor here, although it's New Zealand humor, as I like yes, to call it. Yes, right? New Zealand humor, yes. So I, I agree. I mean, it, is, has, it has a little bit more humor to it, but I do like kind of the classic horror aspects of it. It kind of reminds me of Wes Craven's Ch- uh, you know, Ch- uh, People Under the Stairs from the early 90s, uh, where they had a bunch of people living inside the house and the walls and kind of, you know, giving everybody the creeps, thinking, oh, it's supernatural, supernatural. Um, and so there's a lot of this stuff kind of going on, and, and it kind of puts those two things in contact with each other. Is it something that's actually real, like a person, or is it a supernatural thing that's occurring in the house? And that's something that Wes Craven did, I think. And that was also kind of a, hot, a horror comedy, although more horror than comedy, I think. Yeah. And I think this is kind of the t- a kind of similar take on that. But I think what sets us apart are the characters. Uh, I think that Kylie's character is set up as a very strong female character, almost um, yeah, almost belligerent in her um, her treatment of authority, of her parents, of everything. In fact, she's very difficult to like at the beginning of the movie. And over time, I think she becomes likable because she's the type of person that we hope we would be in a horror movie situation. She's not going to lose her nerve and freak out and scream and do all this sort of stuff and just not be rational, right? So I, I kind of feel like that was on purpose. And when they did interview the the director on this he did say that he she, he had to make the main character someone that wouldn't scare easily because he thought that at the end then when she fell victim to fear it would be a much more palpable fear you know you'd be like oh well this must really be scary because she would not normally be scared by this but it also wasn't that she was just fearless but also she didn't really believe in ghosts right she didn't think that her she thought her mom was crazy there's no such thing as ghosts right so she was okay to go and investigate like what's going on because there's something else right but in that same right she wasn't afraid to do that either like even if it wasn't ghosts and it was something else she wasn't afraid to go and like search for the truth right but she definitely though was of the mind of 
I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a skeptic. I don't believe in ghosts. And I think it's an actual person here or persons that are causing the problem. They're intruders. And then you, con- you kind of you have Amos in there on the other side of this, right? I mean, he's a little bit of comedic flair, but he also is taking the kind of paranormal part of this very seriously, right? So he's kind of almost like the X-Files team up here, right? You got a Mulder and a Scully, yes. right? So you basically got Kylie and you got Amos, right? Kylie is very much like it's got to be a person or person. There's some other some, explanation. There's an explanation, whereas uh, you have Amos saying it is supernatural, it's supernatural, and I got to figure it out. Which I'm going to say it's scarier if it is an actual person than it is a ghost. Of course. Yeah, I like, totally agree. I think like a ghost is not as scary as an actual person like coming to harm you. Right, right. Nobody likes actual people in your house, right? Yeah. Ghosts in your house, you know, eh, maybe, who knows? <laughs> it depends on the ghost. But like actual people, usually not great if you didn't invite them in. I totally agree with that. So um, clearly those that, and then of course, adding in Dennis, the um, clinical psychologist, and adding the element of is she crazy? Now, remember, um, you know, her mother believes it's supernatural. And then Kylie believes that Miriam, her mother, is crazy. And then they had the clinical psychologist coming in and adding that element of is Kylie just crazy as well. So right. I think you have those kind of three competing elements in the movie, which make it a lot of fun and a lot of twists and turns. And they mislead you many, many times. Yes. Uh, and then you get a nice little resolution at the end, which I think is fantastic. Right. So, I mean, they, they do lead you kind of on a hunt. They introduce a lot of other characters where you're like, could this person yeah. be part of it? Or yeah. who is this guy? Very right? Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> and, like, and like most good horror movies, it's, it's not just laid right out there where right. you could identify who the clear it bad guy is. Right. But, yeah, a lot of twists and turns. Uh, I think a lot of comic relief. Just in the part of, I think, all the actors. Like the mom, she's a little quirky. Mm-hmm. Um, Amos is definitely, you know... Also, a little goofy, goofy. Yeah, but he's but serious. Yeah, he's a serious amateur paranormal yes. hunter. So serious, I mean, he's yeah. serious about his amateur paranormal hunting. So that's that's obviously great. And I think all the actors were fantastic. They all definitely did a great job. Played a very did a really good job, and ultimately made for I think a very entertaining movie. Um, all said and done. And actually, when they interviewed the uh, director about this, he said that when he wrote this. Um, he actually was inspired by the Ghost Hunters TV show, um, which is a TV show of people who went out and just ghost hunted and never, ever saw any ghosts. And, of course, the classic horror movie, The Changeling, also a very interesting choice. Um, but you do see elements of both kind of floating in the background there. So I think that is fantastic. Um, so with that said, uh, let's do, we did talk about the ratings earlier. And um, according to Rotten Tomatoes, based on 45 reviews, 96% on the tomato meter by critics. Audience score at 73%. So both very, very positive. The critics' consensus on this on Rotten Tomatoes is alternatively, uh, alternately hilarious, gross, and simply diverting. Housebound is the rare horror comedy that delivers on both fronts. So with that said, Joanne, give us your uh, ratings on, out of four stars. Three stars. Three stars. Okay. I'm going to give it three and a half stars. I really enjoyed it. It got pretty darn close to checking all the boxes for me. And I think they did a fantastic job of using basic location. That's what I was going to say. I mean, it was amazing because then she was technically housebound, house right? True to title. Um, <laughs> outside of the intro when she tried to rob the ATM and when she was in court. That's true. <laughs> but outside of that, technically everything took place inside her mom's house. Yes. Right. I mean, there was a few scenes outside and around nearby, but yeah, the, by large measure, the 
bulk of the film occurred inside, which I think was fantastic. They did a great and job also of framing really that. hard to do. Yeah, right. There's not many places you can go, so you have to be able to be creative about it, and it did a fantastic job of that. So three and a half out of four for me, three out of four from Joanne. And that does it for that. So let's go ahead and hit the boxing bell on the end of uh, that segment of the show and move on to the next segment of the show, which is the dares. That's right. That was those bets that we dare to make. And uh, let's talk about who we bet on to make uh, the division winner of the AFC West and the NFC West. And let's start with the AFC West. Currently, uh, the uh, division winner odds for the AFC West, according to Caesar Sportsbook, as of today, have the Kansas City Chiefs on top at plus 155. Denver Broncos next at plus 250, tied with the Los Angeles Chargers at plus 250. And the Las Vegas Raiders bringing up the rear at plus 750. So, Joanne, what is your pick for the AFC West division uh, in terms of what bet you'd want to make? So, for the winner of the AFC West, uh, I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos. All right. Okay. I'm going to push Kansas City aside, not saying that they're not a good team, but I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos here. Okay. Uh, They are looking for a surprisingly like fresh start uh-huh. quarterback Russell Wilson. Yep. Uh they got a new head coach, yep. Nathaniel Hackett. Yep. And I just think that maybe the Denver Broncos might have their act together. Okay. So in Seattle, Wilson was severely missing his offensive line. And he was running for his life all the time. All the time. And right. yet Still did great. Yeah, he still did a great job scrambling. Now, now, of course, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf a big part of that. But yes, I agree. He did well for not having uh, having an offensive line. On the other side, the Denver Broncos has a very strong offensive line. Okay. So I think that that is going to give Russell Wilson a lot more opportunities. Yes. Yeah. Because he could stay in the box or he could scramble out right i mean it just opens the field for him he doesn't have to worry so much about getting hit yeah so he could really focus on the field right which is something he said to the seattle seahawks he's always wanted his opportunity to really survey the field and not have to be rolling out every single time in order to find somebody downfield so uh yeah no I, i can see that so so now you they have their quarterback which they have really been struggling to find right um even back to, I'm sorry to say, Peyton Manning. Yeah. But yeah. really struggling to find. And now they have this new head coach, which right. they, I mean, you could just look up his name. People can't stop, like, singing his praises. Right. And he's worked with a lot of um, big teams on as the offensive coordinator, the Buffalo Bills. Right. Uh, most recently, he's been working uh, with the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. Um, and now... Denver Broncos. I mean, I think we could see like how much success uh, Green Bay has had last, you know, last season, the season before, when everyone wanted to count out Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. and he everyone he just surprised everyone. Right. And I think uh, a lot of people are discrediting it that to Hackett. So if he could bring that to the Denver Broncos, I mean, that is just gonna be amazing for them yeah okay so yeah so like there there might be a few things that the broncos need to focus on like 
the tight end position. Mm -hmm. um, they did draft um, someone new this season. Yeah, um, trading away Noah Fant. Yes, yeah. because yep. they traded him away. Who went to Seattle? Right. That's right. I mean, uh, surprising to me, honestly, because I thought they would try to build on Noah Fant, but they did what they did to get their guy behind center. So. Right. And and also, like, Noah Fant was good, but I don't think he was as good as they thought they were going to be. Well, so. we haven't seen him with Russell Wilson, though. That's the thing. We saw him with Drew Locke. We saw him with Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, you know, who knows what he would have been with Russell Wilson. But that being said, I, I get it. You know, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Right, and he's coming close to the end of his contract. Sure. So you bring in someone new. Yep. Um, so there, we don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, there's just a lot of possibility for the Denver Broncos. And mm -hmm. then you move from the offense and you go to the, you know, defense. Right. And the Denver Broncos had a very solid defense last season as well. Yeah, like I agree. Eighth overall in yards. Um, eighth overall in passing, right. um, 15 in rushing yards, yeah. um, but only, but they were the third best team in points allowed. So they allowed the third least points average per game. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. So yeah, that's really important. So they really have kind of like their pieces, like it's like coming together right. and you don't know like what's going to shift like between now and uh, the beginning of the season. Right. But I'm going to say like, the Denver Broncos, who are always like really hard playing, they're gonna they're gonna take the division. Okay, and and at plus two fifty, they're an extra value. And just to remind everybody today, we're taking the picks that we like to make based on who we think has a chance to win the division, as well as the value of the bet as well. So plus two fifty, obviously uh, good odds. You get good payback there if you actually hit on the Denver Broncos winning the AFC West. But I will say this the Denver Broncos will have to go through the Kansas City Chiefs. And I know that that is just kind of seems like lazy analysis, but hear me out. Andy Reid, believe it or not, is coming into his 10th year with the Kansas City Chiefs. Before that, I thought of him as the former Philadelphia Eagles quarterback, uh, head coach. Now I think of him as the Kansas City uh, Chiefs head coach. I mean, 10 years there, unbelievable. And he's bringing back, of course, his offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy and Steve Spagnola on defense. Both of those guys been there five and four years apiece. So this is pretty much the same team as we all saw. Uh, and what is it? What is that team that we saw? Well, what we saw was a team that was based around throwing the ball often and quickly. And each and every year in which these guys were together, we saw that. We saw a, uh, in 2018, a 66% pass play rate in non-garbage time situations and 29 seconds per play. What did we see in 2019? 65% pass play rate. 29 seconds per play. 2020, 66% pass play rate, 29 seconds per play. What do we see last year? 66% pass play rate, 29 seconds per play. So guess what? Next year, I'd say 66 pass rate and a 29 seconds per play. And the question is, will the Chiefs in 2022 be a team that can do that with the people they let go this year and where they got new in uh, free agency and in the draft? And I, I think this is, let's, Let's take a step through that real quick. Who did they lose or who's likely to be gone? So Daryl Williams, their running back, uh, signed to the Cardinals. He's gone. Jarek McKinnon is, uh, still remains unrestricted free agent. Doesn't look like they're picking him up. So both of those guys out. Big news, though, Tyreek Hill traded to the Dolphins in return for a whopping five draft picks. But keep in mind, that means their number one weapon on offense outside of Patrick Mahomes gone. Byron Pringle. Also gone, signed to the Bears. He caught 67 of 93 targets for 898 yards and seven touchdowns in 46 games with the Chiefs. And Demarcus Robinson, also gone, 
signed to the Raiders, um, and he had 42 of 97 games. He had 42 of his 97 games with the Chiefs since joining the squad in 2016, and uh, he had career high marks of 45 receiving yards, 466. Uh, sorry, 45 receptions and 466 receiving yards. So you know those are all contributors there: Tyreek Hill, Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson. That's essentially his entire wide receiver yeah. core. But they did add people. They added Juju Smith-Schuster, signed to a one-year deal worth $3.25 million. They added Marquez Valdez-Scantling from the Green Bay Packers. That's on a three-year deal worth $30 million. And they added Justin Watson on a one-year deal with the Chiefs. Uh, unclear what he's going to add to it, but, of course, he was productive with the Buccaneers. We don't know if that's because of Tom Brady or not. But they added him, and they drafted Sky Moore, 54th overall. He's a legit first-round prospect that has great hands, uh, he's only dropped three of his 125 targets in 2021. He caught, he caught eight of his 13 contested opportunities. He has the largest hands in the NFL combine. He is definitely going to be a factor. Uh, so though you're looking at a lineup that's going to be consisting of essentially Juju Smith-Schuster, MBS, Justin Watson, Sky Moore. I mean, okay, is that enough? Is that what we're looking at in terms of enough? And my answer to that is yes, it is. I think that with, with even about Tyreek Holmes, uh, sorry, throughout Tyreek Hill, you have Patrick Mahomes at the helm. And if you have Patrick Mahomes at the helm, he's going to find a way to win, especially with that coaching staff staying intact. I think that the Kansas City Chiefs take the AFC West. I'm going to take them at plus 155. I know the payout isn't as good, but I think they're a sure thing for the AFC West. So I've got the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's such a sure thing. I mean, you're the, the, the Chiefs getting rid of all those receivers, they're saying that, all we need is Patrick Mahomes. Right. And if we have Patrick Mahomes, it doesn't matter who we put out there, they will still succeed. And right. I'm not disagreeing with that. I don't think they're going to fall on the bottom. But, like, there's a lot of chemistry that these players have built with Patrick Mahomes over the past season. Yeah. I mean, they they just know where to be. They could almost, like, read each other's minds. Right. Now you're starting all over again. And I'm not saying that these well, aren't good players. Sure. But I'm sorry. But, like, how many balls has, you know, just <laughs> dropped, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just it, – I think you lose something when you lose that connection. I agree. But you still got Travis Kelce there. And I think that, you know, Patrick Mahomes plus Travis Kelce plus anybody else, is better than most offenses in the NFL. Now Tyreek Hill's gone, Travis Kelce, is, his ass is being covered <laughs> like gravy. I mean, yeah, well, no, there's, there's no one that's not going to put two men on him knowing that he is going to be the target. Okay, yeah, that's fair. He's going to get, he's going to see a lot of double coverage looks for sure. Where before, you know, you had so many threads, you didn't know if it was going to go to you know, uh, Tyreek Hill, or if it's going to go to Travis Kelce, who is, who is this guy going to go to? But, right. you know, now there's all this new people coming in. Travis Kelce definitely is number one man. I mean, he's going to have so much coverage on him. Well, we'll see what happens. I still like the Kansas City Chiefs at plus 155. You like the Denver I Broncos. I still do like the Denver Broncos. Yeah, plus 250. All right, that's the AFC West. Let's move on to the NFC West, and that's the Los Angeles Rams at the number one spot, according to Caesar's Sportsbook right now, at plus 135, followed by the San Francisco 49ers at plus 180, the Arizona Cardinals at plus 300, and the Seattle Seahawks at a whopping plus 1,600. Woo! Look at that. So who do you got there for the NFC West, Joanne? So this one, it was more like who would not bomb out. Okay. <laughs> more that because it was so hard, I think, to pick because – my feeling is 
that usually the previous Super Bowl winners don't do so good the following year. Right. Like, that's always my go-to philosophy. But you always say, except for Tom Brady. But um, outside of that, you know, you look at the other teams in the NFC West, and you just know Seattle's not going to do it. Right. Um, they couldn't do it with Russell Wilson, um, and he had some great seasons. But it's just really hard. So for that reason, I have to – I know the bet's not so good, but the Los Angeles Rams are going to say that they're going to take it again. I mean, it was a really – and this was why it was hard. It was mm-hmm. such a tight – season last year if right. you were gonna bet preseason like who was gonna be the division winner yeah. it would have been really hard yeah. I, I mean yes the rams were finished first in the division but only by one game yeah yeah by one game i right. mean that is like crazy yep. i mean the cardinals were right behind them exactly and from the cardinals the 40 the 49ers are right behind now yeah so yeah really it was it could have been a coin toss yes I mean, it wasn't. I mean, like the like the AFC, like it was a huge division. I mean, like the Kansas City Chiefs won it by twelve. Yeah, games. I mean, was, yeah, but it was like a lot. But yeah. I, I mean, like in the West, it's it's just you yeah, know touch West. and go. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I, but I'm gonna go with the Rams. I'm gonna say that there's gonna there's still gonna be momentum there. Um, for you know, Matt Stafford. Right. Um, he still has like his the team is mostly there like they didn't really get rid of anybody mm-hmm. um so i'm gonna say that they're gonna just really just push it to try to make it two in a like two in a row yeah well like, that's that, what they're gonna go for so i i don't disagree with any of that and um it is very difficult to repeat but repeating as division champs uh isn't necessarily as difficult but what i don't like about the rams are the odds the payout of plus 135 is just a little bit too low for me and although i agree with everything you said and if i'm going to play it safe i go over the rams i'm not going to play it safe because i'm betting and i'm betting on the arizona cardinals at plus 300 that's right i'm picking the second best i'm taking the third best team i'm taking the arizona cardinals at plus 300 because i love that value at plus 300 because you know, quite frankly, listen, I'm, I'm, let's be honest. I know the Cardinals really pittered out at the end of last season, and they got ousted from the playoffs by the Rams. They were close, no cigar, but I see tons of potential here, okay? And the one major thing that changed was the ankle injury for Kyler Murray, okay? Before the ankle injury for Kyler Murray, I would have said Cardinals flat out were, had the upper hand on, on the Rams after the ankle injury. He just wasn't quite right. So two things we know. Two major strengths of the Cardinals that we know exist are their running attack and Kyler Murray when he's healthy, right? With regard to the running attack, in the 2021-22 season, they ranked third in the league for rushing touchdowns scored with touchdown machine James Conner there and, of course, mobile quarterback Kyler Murray making a formidable duo on the ground. And Conner remains the number one, but they added now Daryl Williams from the Chiefs makes the ground game even more dangerous. I do not see this changing. They block well for running the ball, and they run really well. So that strength remains, and and dare I say, maybe getting better. In the passing game, it's a little bit more of a question mark. But let me just hear me out here. Kyler Murray played some of the best football of any quarterback in the NFL in the first eight weeks before that ankle injury. He He had the second best completion percentage. Um, and he had the fifth best EPA per play, which measures uh, efficiency. His, uh, he delivered high volume passes and, high, and high, high completion rates 
They won seven of their first eight games. He was before the injury. Murray was more efficient than Patrick Mahomes. That was just according to all the numbers. He was more efficient than Patrick Mahomes. Then he had the ankle injury. He missed three games, came back, and everything after that was not the same. Everything just pittered out. They lost games they shouldn't have lost to the Lions, Colts, and Seahawks. And, of course, the Rams completely dispatched them in the playoffs about anything. And, and just so you know, after the injury, his efficiency rating, less than Taylor Heineke. Okay? So better than Patrick Mahomes when healthy, worse than Taylor Heineke when, uh, when injured. And I think that he is now healthy. He's coming in. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins is. He's going to be suspended for six games at the beginning of the season, and they got a tough road to hoe. But you know what? They got Marquise Brown there, who never had an opportunity to play with somebody with the pocket presence that Kyler Murray has. They still have Rondell Moore there. They still have Zach Ertz there. I do think they have a lot of potential on that passing game, and they can play that air raid offense that they like to play. I'm going to say I agree with you. Kyler Murray's really good, but there's someone that, you know, the, the, uh, the, the Rams did not have last season and that's Cam, uh, healthy Cam Akers. Mm-hmm. They had a really poor running game, but Cam, Cam Akers is now healthy. He's going to step into that role, and with the chemistry between Stafford and Cup, it's not going. It's going to be hard to beat. It's going to be very close, right. but like the uh, if you, it might not be a good payout, but it will be a payout with the Rams. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I, I think there's a there's a lot here, and of course we'll see how the defense does with JJ Watt and friends. And, uh, you know, I think that the Cardinals just have so much potential there. And quite frankly, I love the plus 300 odds. That's what I like. I love that payoff. So you if got it the – pays out. Yeah, if it pays out, it's true. It could be zero. So you got the Los Angeles Rams at plus 135. I got the Arizona Cardinals at plus 300. That brings us to the end of the show. Let's hit the air horn on the show. All right. So that's another great show on scares and dares. Joanne, why don't you give us your social media so people can follow you? That kung fu for you. At, Twitter. Yes. <laughs> and of course, follow along and maybe you can get a little bit of get some questions in there uh, about some of these bets as we come up. And we're going to have more of these shows coming up as we go on throughout the season, as we talk about all the other division winners that we want to bet on. And of course, other scares that we like to talk to you about. And uh, you can follow me um, at FB Garbage Time on um, Twitter and at the uh, and on Facebook at the FB at the Football Garbage Time um, uh, page and of course keep an eye out on our Twitter account so that you can track on to when we're going to be up next probably in another week or so we'll cover another two more divisions and we're going to do west west east east north north south south you'll have bets for every single division by the time you get to the regular season so we are all over that and then we'll be returning to every week while we give you some prop tests and that's going to be freaking exciting alright thank you so much for listening and wasting time with us enjoy your scares, enjoy your dares, and enjoy your NFL. Bye, everyone.